0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Deep Water.
1: Why are you the only man who wants to stay with me?
0: I don't know. you too? I do.
2: That's
3: good. Mm. Why is mom so different around other people?
4: I
0: think this is who she is. You love me? Of course.
1: You're not born. No.
3: The fact that she's comfortable flaunting all these relationships around all of us, you're better than that. She's different.
1: That's what I like about her. I just
0: want to feel joy in my life.
1: You want to tell me why you didn't come home last night? Not really. This isn't a game, Melinda.
3: It's always been a game.
0: So. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Deep Water, and the story is as follows. A well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lovers. The film is starring Ben Affleck, Anna De Armas, Tracy Letts, Lil Ray Howry, Dash Mihawk, Finn Wittrock, Kristen Connolly, Jacob Elordi, and Rachel Blanchard. It is directed by Adrian Lynn. And it is written by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Lauren Lemagna.
4: Hello. Dan Baer. Go inside, Goldie.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. That was one of my notes, actually, for this.
4: <laughs> it is the best line and delivery.
0: Everything that Tracy Letts says in this movie.
4: <laughs>
0: Let's finish introducing everybody. Tom O'Brien. The snails are not for eating. <laughs> and Will Mavity.
3: You fucking psycho!
0: <laughs> I saw somebody tweet out yesterday <laughs> Tracy lets you just pop in the dirt act of every movie and just accuse the bad guy of what they've done. (laughs) You motherfucker, I know you're Kaiser Soze. I got you. I got you, motherfucker. (laughs) I'm writing a letter. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so we're here to talk about Water, which is the first film from director Adrian Lin in 20 years since the movie Unfaithful. Adrian Lin actually is, uh, you know, I don't know how many people listening are familiar, but very, very big for a time uh, back in especially in the 1980s with movies like Fatal Attraction, Jacob's Ladder and uh, Indecent Proposal, which I think came out like in the early 90s. Uh, But Fetal Attraction, most definitely, I'm sure most people have seen, and he's a director that has been known for making erotic thrillers, which is a genre that, quite frankly, we don't see getting made that often nowadays. If we do, it's usually uh, through a streaming-only service, which this is, by the way, it was released via Hulu via streaming. Uh, But it usually doesn't have, like, a big budget or anything like that, Um, and that's because, obviously, nowadays for American audiences, uh, sex is a big no-no, which, I don't know about you all, but I think we should bring the erotic thriller back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It feels like uh, European filmmakers and anybody else out there in the world is not afraid of having sex in their movies, but we are, for some reason. Uh, So, here we are, 20 years later since Unfaithful, and this movie has had a long production history. Very, very long. I mean, it also spurned the tabloid uh, romance between Ben Affleck and Anna Armas in real life, which resulted in a number of uh, paparazzi photos that were quite memorable for a time. They're not together anymore, by the way. And maybe this movie is evidence of that. I don't know. But (laughs) it's a very, very interesting film in a lot of ways. I'm very excited to talk about this. I don't know who to start off with, but maybe I guess we'll pass it first to Lauren. Lauren, man, what did you think of Deepwater?
2: Um, I thought Deepwater was a ride. Um, Erotic thrillers aren't really my genre of choice or my film of choice, but I do love to support mid-budget cinema, especially since we don't get a lot of that anymore. So every time I see something that isn't costing.
0: $50 million price tag on this one.
2: Exactly. So we don't get these... We don't get these a lot anymore. It's probably like only a handful a year, so I think it's important to support filmmakers that aren't doing micro-indies or mega-big blockbusters. There is something in the middle, so every time we have that, um, I will always run to the theater or to the streaming site to boost the numbers up in any way that I can. And even though for most American audiences, sometimes sex is a big no-no for them, it is a huge yes-yes for me. I love seeing (laughs) hot people be hot, and On the podcast, you guys may know that I've been a little annoyed about that over the recent years. But I think since Dune, I would say, it's slowly getting sexier and more sensual, which I am loving. So anytime we get to see you know, actors be hot for the sake of being hot and using sensuality and sexuality, I'm interested. And I, again, will support it because we don't see it a lot. So let's get the numbers up so we can make more of it. Um, I thought this story was... Fine. I don't think erotic thriller is the best way to phrase it because it's definitely, you know, a slow burn. It's definitely not a fatal attraction, but it's interesting. And it is, I wouldn't say it's good, but I also wouldn't say it's bad. But even though it's not good, you can't look away for some reason. You're just so interested in how bad or not good it is which makes you entertain, which is a very interesting experience oh yeah but it is yeah it's a really you're entertained so i think it does its job correctly there are definitely a lot a lot of faults but i think for you know movie made like in the middle of the pandemic like the or, like phase one of the pandemic when they were a, a relation in a couple you know i i understand why they were a couple Like, let's just say that. I get it. I get it, guys.
0: I actually, if I remember correctly, I think this was shot even before the pandemic, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I think it was shot in 2019. Dang. But I know the pandemic is what delayed it, and they were chopping it up in the editing room, trying to find the right tone, the right balance for everything. And... Oh, man. Do I have some notes about that?
3: Yeah, yeah. It was it was filming. uh,
0: It was filming before 1917 was released. Wow. (laughs) Uh, I watched this with Will Baffity and I could tell you, Lauren, that that level of it's so bad it might be good kind of level of engagement Mm -hmm. was real. I could not stop interacting with this movie as an audience member while watching it. I was shouting at the TV. I was having like these, are you kidding me, type of reactions to everything going on.
2: Your mouth is on (sighs) the floor sometimes. Sometimes an issue when films get put onto streaming, we get distracted with, you know, like multimedia because some people will be on their phone or they'll go to the bathroom or X, Y, and Z. This is not one of those films that will fall to that fault in the streaming service you will not be on you will be glued to the screen you're watching this movie on and you will be paying attention the entire time which is a plus to the film and to the story in my opinion even if it might not be for the best
0: reasons it is so bad but i can't look away Mm -hmm. (laughs) dan the
3: whole time matt kept saying i wish dan was here i want to see his reactions
0: (laughs) it's true it is very true
4: <laughs> oh, if only y'all could have seen my reaction.
0: <laughs> well, Dan, what was your reaction? What did you think of Deep Water?
4: Oh, I fucking loved it. Oh, did you? <laughs> I no, I don't think that it's a great movie, and I I'm kind of borderline even on whether it's a good movie just because like oh some of the worst green screen rear projections. Oh, people oh are,
0: my god. Are. That I, I pointed that seen. out to Will. I was like, oh. I wonder if Adrian Lin is just, you know, because he's such an old school director. I wonder if, like, he just doesn't know any other way to shoot this.
4: Those scenes in particular were just so bad. <laughs> but, like Lauren said, like, this movie has a quality to it that you just can't look away. And I don't think it's great. But I think it's a lot more interesting than the So Bad It's a Good label would ever give it credit for. <laughs> I was forced to do something that I almost never do uh, for adaptations of novels, which is within like the first like five to ten minutes, I looked up the plot of the novel because I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> the first act of this movie is really difficult to read because everything is talking in code and double entendres. And there is a reason for that. This relationship that Vic and Melinda Van Allen are in is not conventional in any way, but they're together And they have an arrangement. And although it's very unclear for me, at least the first time I was watching it, whether it was actually an arrangement, like spoken between them, or if it was unspoken, that this is just sort of happening. And I think that's where I was so confused that I had to look up the plot. But no, he does. And... He does know what's going on, and she knows he knows. And it's in agreement, even though we don't have any on-screen evidence of that. And I I love that. I love that this movie is just like a really kind of subtle takedown of these bourgeois social mores. I love in that first scene. First of all, these people, they go to so many parties I want to live in this community like every other day, another house party.
0: It's literally like watching uh, Big Little Lies, the movie, at times in that regard, where it's just like rich white people in this small town community and all the rich people just hang out and they party together. Or like euphoria, but adults. Sure. And that makes sense considering Sam Levinson. (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) So I really loved in that first scene when they're talking about like oh yeah we let our daughter decide if she wanted to go to public or private school and their friend is aghast at the idea like how could you possibly what would what were you thinking and i'm like oh if you think that's bad and then her boyfriend shows up and i i love that sort of transgressiveness and i love that They're putting this sort of thing on screen to say, like, if you think this is fucked up, but it works for them and maybe don't judge. And then he starts killing people and, you know, it gets weird and muddled. But overall, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I think it is always intriguing. I think the performances from both Ben Affleck and amade de Armas are... They're just on fire. <laughs> they have incredible chemistry. Lauren's absolutely right. You can see exactly why they were together. And I think that really carries a lot of the movie through the rougher patches, is that the two of them individually together are so intriguing and so watchable that I almost didn't care what was going on outside of them. And then, of course, you have Tracy Letts, who knows exactly what kind of movie he's in.
0: I don't think so at all.
4: (laughs) Coming in and saving (laughs) the last act of
0: this movie. That is is an interpretation, sir, that I do not agree with.
1: (laughs) Absolutely not.
4: We'll get into that. But I think that as an adaptation of the novel, having not read the novel but looked at the plot, I think this is an improvement on the plot of the novel. I think the ending is – I think it makes the situation and makes Amade Armas' character specifically a lot more interesting than it does in the book. and gives her a sense of agency that she's not necessarily allowed because of the – time in which the novel was written and yeah I don't think it's a great movie but I like it
0: all right Will Mavity
3: yeah I um I enjoyed it in some ways more than the so bad it's good that I think both of you mentioned because green screen aside also in some ways I was talking with Matt it's well made technically. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way Adrian Lin moves the camera, a lot of the shots are very nice to look at. And as you said, Affleck and DeArmas are great. Um, there's a lot to like here. I do think if you have to read what the book is going for to figure out certain backstory about them having an arrangement, that's a bit of a problem in terms of the adaptation. But there is honestly a lot of stuff I do like. Um, One thing I was a little disappointed by is for uh, an erotic thriller, it's – so Affleck and Armis have a lot of chemistry, but there's like surprisingly little sex. It's – they are sexy, but it's not – as Lauren said, it's much more of just a slow burn drama with like an occasional flash cutaway of the romantic life. And that's not necessarily a bad thing since to do otherwise would be gratuitous but it's not really what I expected from Adrian Lin. Um, I think my big problem was, I agree that the book's ending wouldn't fly now, but the way the film ends is so abrupt. They do kind of lead up to, they suggest, without getting too spoilery, that DeArmas wants Affleck's character to care more about her and what she's doing. So the way they choose to end the film, they have laid some groundwork, but the execution is just criminally abrupt. Um, I couldn't stop laughing when it happened. And to (laughs) me, you know, like, I... I, I, Same. Yeah. I I was with the film. Even for all of its ridiculousness and campiness, I was with it until that. I just wanted a little more resolution than that. But, uh, you know, I don't hate it. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's not great, but I did enjoy it despite everything.
1: All right, Tom O'Brien. You know, it's funny, Matt. When I was watching this in the first act of this, it's like, i God, I miss Trash.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yes.
0: To me, this is like what House of Gucci should have been
1: like. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my
0: God.
1: Oh, it, it's the kind of thing like it, it, you feel like you've forgotten something and you taste it again. and Like, oh, that was good. Oh, I forgot. I really like that. And Adrian Lynn's stuff is, is like that. You know, it's, I was around to see fatal attraction and indecent proposal and nine and a half weeks in a theater and especially with fatal attraction, but for the other three too, uh, seeing it with an audience, people were digging it. It really, Adrian Lynn was a not a household name exactly but he sold he helped to sell a movie as much as the stars did because you knew that if you if Adrian Lynn had something to do with it okay he knows what he's doing and you know i got some of that in here i don't know what he has because i think we've all kind of slogged through a lot of streaming thrillers sexy thrillers and they just don't have that he's got i don't know a secret sauce so to speak um, that really kind of brings it together, makes it fun, makes it sexy. And uh, Frank, I was a little worried that with the twenty-year gap, he wouldn't still have it. But with all the movie's problems, that's still there. A lot of this is really a lot of fun. Um, maybe some some of it unintentional, but he, you know, it it does stand far I mean people want to dismiss this as a uh streaming thriller. It's it's more fun than that. And uh this one really I think has a lot of those elements. I'm I I'm of the school that this is an arrangement because I thought there was a lot of knowing glances very early, you know, from the first kind of uh uh Anadarmus uh flirting around that I sensed from them catching brief glances to each other that we know what's going on here. Okay. Have fun. And, uh, and then Ben will sort of glower. I forgot how menacing he could be. You know, I've been thinking of the recent Ben Affleck, you know, the tender bar, the last duel, but he can really be quietly threatening and he's, uh, She's good in this and, and, and so is she, but there's a time I thought that they felt, it felt to me like they were acting a little bit in separate movies, but, um, I'm very much of, uh, the will school that I kind of, and I kind of like the new ending. Uh, but I just wish they had planned it that way so that it built, builds up and pays off in a smoother way. But, uh, The third act is nuts, which we'll get to. Um, But there's a lot of it This reminded me how much I miss erotic thrillers. Coming up
3: on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy.
0: So this was definitely a guilty pleasure for me while watching it. Um, as I mentioned before, I watched it with Will, and I was having a blast watching this movie because I knew heading in that it was going to be trashy, and I was embracing the trashiness of it all. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm seeing uh, Melinda, played by Anna De Armas, here, flaunting these open relationships in front of her husband, and I'm like, oh my god, Batman is getting so fucked around right now. Like, I'm just like... <laughs> I'm having a good time, you know? I'm, like, really engaged with it, and some of the things that just happened, like, got such a reaction out of me, Uh, and, like, intensely so, because, like you said, Dan, you're trying to also figure out what the arrangement is. Is he okay with it? Has this happened before? Like, all these questions. So, in that regard, like, I was thinking about those two while watching it, and it only helped further my enjoyment of like I said, embracing the trashiness. I definitely had a couple of technical issues involving the green screen and the rear projection and things of that nature that we mentioned before, but I do have to agree that Adrian Lin does have a command over the camera that was very intoxicating to watch at times. I also found that there were some, you know, we said before, erotic driller, And yes, it's not really erotic, And it's also not really that thrilling either, because I do think that the best act of this movie actually is the first act, because that's where all the intrigue lies. And then once it's revealed later on that Vic is indeed killing uh, his wife's lovers, the movie kind of shows its hand. And I wish that they had kept their cards closer to the chest with that reveal and not played it too soon because you know there was a murder that happens later on in the movie in a pool hence deep water oh by the way this movie's attempts at trying to have like symbolism is downright hysterical at times <laughs> um but yeah
3: but, <laughs> the suitcase cut yeah. oh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> yes
4: oh I, lo- I I lived for it. I lived for
0: it. But, like, when they actually showed, and they didn't need to do this, but, like, they go back through the editing, and they show glimpses of Ben Affleck, uh, Vic in this case, drowning. I think his name is Charlie. He's played by Jacob Elordi. And I just wish they hadn't done that. I wish they had just kept up the mystery, because in the first act, when he's going around saying, yeah, I killed Martin McRae, and everybody's like... Wait, you didn't really? No, I didn't. You know, do you believe that I did? Like, and he's like kind of fucking with them a little bit mentally. I found that to be so playful and so much fun. And as Tom said, like, Affleck can be pretty menacing. And he's like, obviously in this uh, time of his life, he's like in bulked up post-Batman mode still. So, like, he's a very imposing physical presence. And I was just really, really captivated by everything that was going on. Once they revealed... You know, that he actually was was murdering all of these guys. The movie lost mystery. It stopped becoming, you know, a thrilling movie to watch. And that's when it just started teetering into outright ridiculousness. And the third act, I like as Will said before, for me was completely unforgivable. Any goodwill that I had before was completely undone by the third act because there were elements that were introduced that would never resolve. Like, to me, that's a... That's, you know, a, a huge red flag. And then on top of that, I just feel that there is a lack of resolution to the characters, to the ending. I understand what they're going for, and I know what the ending is meant to imply. I get that. But it still felt incomplete. And it, I wish that they had just gone full tilt, had done what they uh, do in the book, and just embraced the... The backlash, the discourse, the whatever they were going to receive for shooting and presenting that ending. Because I think this movie was originally, if I remember correctly, supposed to be two and a half hours long. And it's not anymore. It's just below two hours.
4: I don't think that they cut anything from the ending i mean possible that they cut something
0: no 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 uh, dan it's reported that they shot it they tested it it tested poorly and they cut it
4: well i mean yeah but i don't think they cut like half
0: an hour from the ending i mean considering (laughs) i don't know dude you you figure after what happens with tracy less you still have The cops from the previous investigation snooping around. He got that private investigator involved. Like there are these other elements that kind of need to still come together. Then there's the question of like, are their friends going to find out or something like that? And then you still have the conflict between him and Melinda to resolve.
4: I mean, maybe, but I don't know. There are lo- There's also, like, lots of things in the trailer for this movie that are not in this movie, and they're all from the first two acts, so I'm just saying. Hmm. The ending did not bother me as much as it did you, partially because um, it was such an, like, oh, of course, of course this is how they're going to end it, because it's the hackiest choice, and this is a <laughs> hack genre, it just is, but... I think that part of the reason why it doesn't work for so many people is that this, we have kept referring to this movie as an erotic thriller, but like you said, Matt, it's actually not particularly erotic. And in all the marketing materials that keep describing it as a psychological thriller. And I think, I do think that part of the reason that Adrian Lynn's, movies have been so successful is that they get at something in the culture like he is as much a social critic as he is a director i mean think of the firestorm that fatal attraction started Mm -hmm. and same thing for um got indecent proposal right I mean, these were flashpoints culturally, because he was talking about things that people don't talk about. And I think that is part of what he's trying to do here. There the central relationship in this movie flies in the face of every aspect of quote unquote good taste that we know. It flies in the face of every conventional relationship that we've been taught and yet as the movie goes on even though they're like not in a great place clearly as the movie goes on they and they get more into this like battle between them almost it works more and more for them and they're maybe still unhappy but they come to this point where no no this is this is working and eventually they're getting what they want and yeah maybe it would have been nice if they didn't have to go through the process of um murdering so many people but that's
0: just silly though <laughs> oh it's a movie it's an erotic thriller it's a trashy movie i'm sorry but like the idea that the way that this movie ends is her being complicit in his actions like Yeah, you're you're telling me that she's going to continue to sleep around and it's going to be a known thing that eventually he'll put up with it. But eventually he'll, you know, mentally break and decide to kill. And then she's going to cover it up. And this cycle is going to just keep on continuing. That is the most asinine, stupidest thing I've ever heard.
4: I also I also ever heard because I don't think that's what happens. Uh,
0: Well, then what then?
4: (laughs) She has a line there earlier in the movie when she accuses him of having killed somebody he says if you think i killed him aren't you scared and she says no because i'm the thing you killed for she also has several lines in the movie about how he has no passion he doesn't really love her but uh clearly he loves her. exactly by the end of the movie He has shown her that he loves her in the way that she needs to see it, in the way that she has been craving for. He shows some emotion. He shows some passion. And she rescues him. And I think that the movie is sort of purposefully open-ended as to whether or not this will be... A, an ongoing no or she's she, burning the
0: ids she's willingly helping
4: exactly but no i'm saying if their sexual arrangement is going to continue to be a thing or not and i think that there's a good argument to be made that actually this is what has made her happy in her relationship that she's gotten what she has wanted out of it and maybe she'll continue to keep you know screwing other guys because she just needs to do that but she knows now that she loves him in the way that she needs him to.
2: I think this is a lot better than the original ending. I,
0: but, I, but I don't believe, though, that you're trying to tell me that the reason why she was sleeping around and flaunting it at these parties in front of him, in front of all their friends and everything like that, and just so open about it, is to just simply get him to care
2: I think that's part I think of it. I and mean, when I'm first when I first watched it, I thought, "Wow, maybe she just has just a really crazy sex drive and just doesn't care." But that's that's
0: what I thought it. too, because her behavior was so erratic sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. But then she has that scene when they're like, kind of like foreplaying, and she says that like she likes them, but she's sad and she just doesn't care, and she's miss she's missing something. There's something part of the equation that's not clicking with her. And during the third act, when they were both when Ben Affleck's character was being crazy. I literally, like, said out loud, wow, they're kind of perfect for each other. Yup! Cool <laughs> <Yep. laughs> so, like, it works.
0: <laughs> I mean, in that regard, this movie, to me, like, kind of just comes off then as a almost like a Gone Girl rip-off, in many ways, or an inferior, like, take on that. Um, I know that it's obviously not directly related outside of the casting of Ben Affleck, but... I was reminded of Tyler Perry's, like, line delivery in that movie of, like, you two are the most fucked up people i ever met in my entire life. Like, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if I buy that this was all, like, her plan to get him to... I, I don't know if I buy that. It wasn't that. her
4: plan to get him know, to kill plan. people.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. It, no, no. Her, her plan to get him to care about their relationship. Because, to me he's such a well-respected, well-liked guy by everybody around him. He's a good dad. He's a great cook.
4: Yeah, but he's boring.
2: But he doesn't do, that's
0: it. Everything about him is just like great in terms of like his qualities as a, as a human being. And what, like he's lacking passion in the bedroom with her. Like what, what's the problem? Yeah, that's the problem is that like he is
4: great. And this is, I think part of her problem is that he's great. He is, by every conceivable metric, a perfect husband and father, and yet she still feels unfulfilled in their relationship. She needs more, and from him specifically, in terms of the passion that he shows, in terms of the affection that he shows her, in terms of lust for life, I mean, yes, he does all these things, but he also, frankly, looks pretty bored most of the time that we see him. And I think that that's fair. Some people need that. Some people need more than just the picture perfect thing. And there's nothing wrong with that.
0: They do ask each other, I think, a couple of times, like, are you bored with me? Yeah. Yeah. She specifically asks her that. Him. Him that.
2: I don't think she woke up that one and said, I'm going to openly cheat on my husband so he can be a serial killer. Like, I don't think that was a thought that went through her head. (laughs) She, I think she wanted to push him to a place where he is going to forcefully act out and do something because the character is very much um, a go with the flow, please everyone. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like whatever, like you do you. I'm just going to be chill. And I think that element of him pisses her off. So she's forcing him to get angry and get passionate and get excited about something where, to her knowledge, he literally goes a violent, murderous route, which I don't think she expected. But I do think it it, it attracts her a little bit and it's mm-hmm. um, enticing in a way.
4: I mean, also think like there's my favorite phrase to come out of True Blood. She's a bit of a danger whore.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she is. I mean, the number. Yeah, there's something of... exciting about yeah. being the reason for someone doing really destructive, dangerous, horrible things. It's bad. I don't condone it, but yeah. in the film, <laughs> <laughs> just gotta get it out there. Like I don't approve.
1: But, but there's more in
2: the film. There's something enticing. And that's something that turns her on being like, wow, I'm the source of this. It's,
1: it's funny. There were moments in this that I thought the times that she's getting most aroused is when they're fighting with each other mm-hmm. because he is raising he is showing passion in yeah. those scenes that he, he doesn't do otherwise, even though they do have some sex scenes.
3: Yeah. I think they do. I mean, I think some of the groundwork is laid there It's just still the way that the execution happens ultimately of like, well, he pulled back home and then just like literally 15 seconds of her burning the IDs like it's implied, but it's just so abrupt. Like, I agree that there is some evidence there that the main thing she wanted was for him to care and be passionate. Um, it, It just it was handled so incompetently when it all kind of finally comes home. And I think that was kind of my issue. I agree that it is somewhat abrupt, but again, like at the
4: same time, I, it's so perfect for this genre that I just laughed and went, of course, and I honestly, I applauded a little, um, (laughs) it did the little seal clap of glee.
0: So. What do you guys think of Tracy Letts in this?
4: <laughs> oh, he's flawless. He is perfect. No. There's a reason I quoted him at the top, like <laughs> I
0: I I I think Tracy Letts is <sighs> I think Tracy Letts is playing it straight and it's really funny to watch him do that. And yet God, why is it that every time Tracy Letts is in a car It's the most hilarious thing he's ever done. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, like the lines that he says while he's driving. Fuck you, you fucking psycho. You're going to jail. Come get me now, you piece of shit. And then he's like on his bike. He's like, You gonna catch me now? You motherfucker. Like, and he's like texting uh, his wife. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe it. I was right. Kelly, you're not gonna believe this. And I'm just like, who says this while they're driving? Do not text and drive. This is it. This is a book.
3: Yeah, you know what? Somebody needs to like cut together that and Ladybird whenever he's driving. Oh you know, just like working like did you uh, know Alanis Morissette wrote whatever the song was in half an hour? I believe it. You know, <laughs> uh,
1: uh, I love how frantic he drives, trying to get away from a man on a bicycle. Right? How did he catch up with him?
3: <laughs> and what was what was Ben's game there? Because like it's sheer luck that Tracy swerved instead of just mowing down the murderer. Like, what was Ben's plan? He literally jumped directly
0: in front of this car that's going 70 <laughs> miles an hour. I, I actually think no that kind of was the plan. <laughs> there was no plan, yeah. There was yeah. no plan. Just catch him. I mean, in a situation like that, it's not like you could then jump off of the bike and hop onto the car or something. So the only thing you can do is either catch up to where they're going and wait for him to get out of the car to confront him or crash your bike into the car somehow or have the car crash into you. And in this particular case, yeah, the swerve, it happened, and it worked. I actually really do like that moment of silence in the car where the camera's placed in there as the car is teetering off the cliff. But, man, I was... I was so annoyed because at that moment, the suitcase then sinks, as we mentioned before, as the car goes off the cliff. (laughs) So obvious. And here I'm thinking... Okay, the cops are now going to be very suspicious that this guy uh, accused him of murdering people. Now he's been murdered. So, obviously, this is going to become more intense now in the final 15, 20 minutes of the movie or whatever. Then they have Chekhov's snail, which really pissed me off. They spend so much time on the snails of this movie. And then there's that scene where he tells Finn Rittrock's character that uh, if you eat the snail without starving them, then it's poisonous no payoff for that whatsoever why introduce that if you're not going to have some payoff
4: the snails i really i wrote what wtf with the snails in my notes like twice i I don't know what was going on there it must be something from the book i i don't know i mean
0: even if so cut it because why introduce it if you're not going to have like any payoff whatsoever
4: well, you have so many scenes that take
0: place in the snail room. Yeah, but once again, why introduce that the snails can be poisonous if no one's going to get poisoned in this movie?
4: Again, I don't know. I'm sure. Those are the, the vibes, there, there was lives. a
2: line. I think there was, I don't remember it for word for word, but I think there is a line where um, Vic says that, like, these snails go to great lengths for their mate. Yeah. Or something like that, which I think is like oh, that's yeah. where that's where I was like, oh, okay, yeah. that's the point of yeah. the snails. But there are there's a lot of moments and a lot of up close shots of just snails being it's very weird. Snails.
1: The, the the weird thing is that Patricia Highsmith, who wrote the book, she loves snails and that's she awesome. raised about three hundred snails in her home garden too I in real know. life. So it comes from her. Blame her on the snails. <laughs>
0: Another thing, too, is in talking about the relationship here between Vic and Melinda, you know, they established that Vic is extremely wealthy, having developed these computer chips that are used in drones. And he's not living what I would deem to be an extremely luxurious lifestyle. Uh, He's being very smart with his money, I think. And, you know, you could tell that by the house, the town that they live in he's got nice clothes and things of that nature but like you don't see a lot of material possessions right so he's got money you know maybe not that much money but still he's got money and he's also responsible with it she is the type of girl that he takes her to the fanciest restaurant in the city and she orders mac and cheese and I just kept on wondering what it was that they both saw in each other other than the fact that they think that you know, they're hot. <laughs> Going back to, like, what Lauren was saying before. Do
4: you need more than that?
0: Well, clearly these two <laughs> characters do.
4: Well, when the sex is that good, like... <laughs> but clearly it's not. I mean, it is that good. It's literally the reason they're still together. I, I,
0: I, I suppose.
4: <laughs> or at least part of the reason they're still together. They, they also imply that their child was perhaps not expected... And that it was his choice that he wanted it, and she didn't necessarily. Adorable kid, by the way. So adorable, the most adorable mm-hmm.
0: child. The only thing that I, uh, the only thing that I objected to with this kid in this movie was when <laughs> Vic would be like. That's your new. That's your mommy's new friend. He's a lot like um, McRae. You remember McRae? And I'm like, why are you giving this girl all the information about your murders, sir? If she ever gets questioned by the police, like. And she even pretty much tells him in the scene when they're in the uh, bath, uh, uh, which yeah. she's giving her the bath. It's like this girl knows way too much. Way too much.
4: <laughs> well, because it's all gossip.
0: Yeah you know
4: and mm-hmm. she like she's not stupid she can put two and two together that mommy's friends but I, I felt so bad for her the whole way through and that was the one like big thing that was like i like her like i like the character i thought the girl is a pretty good actress but it made the whole situation a lot more uncomfortable <laughs> because this adorable child is going to have to go through so many hundreds of hours of
0: therapy growing up. What do you guys think of uh, the after credits scene?
4: Okay, so first of all, the the scene in the the first scene during the credits, I howled <laughs> with laughter. I'm like this is sick. This is so twisted. It's so perfect. I love it. And then the last song choice in the credits, just like, <laughs> chef's kiss. If you think Adrian Lyne is not self-aware about what type of movie he's made, I point you to those two choices.
3: Matt was like, oh, thank God. I actually thought they were going to end
0: with that
3: when they had an end credit scene and there was just a daughter (laughs) in the back
0: of the car. I was so relieved. I was like, oh, good. We're going to get something else because what I just got was nothing. And then, yeah, I I was more mad.
2: (laughs) Kevin Feige is found dead in a ditch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So who did you find yourselves sympathizing with in this movie? Because... In the first act, obviously I'm sympathizing with Vic, but as I mentioned earlier, once it's revealed that he indeed really is murdering these people for her, I all of a sudden now lost sympathy for him, but I never gained sympathy for her either, which then made the rest of the movie hard for me to connect to on an emotional level uh, from that point forward.
3: it's a yes. gone they both suck. I mean,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. But it's still entertaining. Like, even though I don't, I mean, there's definitely ones a lot. Cheating and murder are both very different on the what's bad scale. But um, even though I don't side with either of them, what they're both doing is really shitty. I'm still entertained with the story that's going on and I'm still glued to it. So it didn't really bother me that I didn't like either of the characters personally.
0: This just goes back to what I was saying before, though, where it's like I really, really, really wish that that scene in the gorge where he throws the rock at Finn uh, Whitrock no pun intended. Um, I really just wish that that was the first reveal that, yes, he indeed did murder these people. And they just held that for a while because cutting to showing him murdering Charlie in the pool mm-hmm. like just robbed mm-hmm. all the suspense for me.
4: Yeah, I do agree with that. I think that that would have been a better choice.
0: Yeah. Maybe they tried it and maybe the movie just wasn't able to sustain it, you know, and they might they might have had to go back and re-edit it somehow. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's going on with the friends? Everybody seems to know everything <laughs> and no one seems to care. Well, it's like a, it's like we were saying before, it's kind of like that gossip
0: town yeah. where everybody everybody knows everybody. Everybody's always talking about everybody. I do find it... I, I like Lil' Ray Howery. Uh, you know, I like him as a person, as a comedian. I find his presence to be in a serious movie, such as this, very off-putting, because he just has such a comedic tone about him. But maybe that is benefiting the type of tone that Adrian Lin is going for here, in terms of that uh, that level of camp. But then you also put um, uh, Dash Mihawk uh, next to him, and he's so playing it straight and serious that I I almost don't, I I don't know what then they're going for.
1: (laughs) I mean, they they feel like they're in another movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do like the scene where they're criticizing his dancing, uh, Vic's dancing. (laughs) That that was really funny.
4: Yeah. It's the friends are kind of an interesting problem, I think for the movie, because they're there to be like the, almost like a Greek chorus. Like you see what your wife's doing, right? (laughs) But he can't say like, yes, obviously, I see, you know, this was this is what we're doing. This is what works for us. Yeah. So it it, yeah, it's weird.
0: I just can't imagine being in a relationship with like the woman of my dreams. And that is what it does to me mentally. I I just can't I I can't wrap my head around that. I would not stay with her. I would have left her.
2: Most people would.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. What lengths would you go to for a man, Dan? Your your, your dream man?
4: Um, Well, I mean, it depends on... Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See?
2: We could put murder off the table. You wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I would
4: not murder. But
0: would you be okay with, hey, I'm going to have open relationships, but I'm going to come back to you every night?
4: Oh, absolutely.
0: Oh, see, like, I, I, I could never...
4: Absolutely, I would. I think that's also, I mean, like, I think Tom can back me up. I think the gays are more um, open about these sorts of relationship things than oh, other straight okay. people. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Matt, if it's, it's some, if it's something you agree to, then it's whatever. I mean, I think it's like, if if there is actually an agreement in this case, and it's not just like... Oh, she keeps cheating on me, and I'm too much of a coward to confront her. Then, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I think open relationships,
0: if both sides are cool with him, it's fine. Like, I, I could. But, do- he's not, I, but he's not cool with it, though. Well, clearly. Yeah, it seems like and he should is.
2: say something.
0: And, and, and that's like the confusion that Dan was expressing earlier was that, like, was there a time where he said he was going to be okay with it, and now she's doing it, and he's just having to put up with it. I like, it's very unclear if it was an unspoken thing, a spoken thing. Yeah. Very unclear. Yeah. Yeah. Cause also too, it's like, there are times where he is allowing them to come to the house and have dinner and he's pouring them wine and he's making conversation. But then it's like, there's a line that gets crossed and then it becomes too much for him to bear. And then it's like, well, then why did you invite them into the house in the first place? Because she is hot. I just, I, I, I I have a hard time I just can't I can't imagine ever doing that (laughs) so you're the friends
4: in the movie you know like you are the one who's like I don't understand what's going on here and that's fine Mm -hmm. the world is big enough for both except murder well I mean yeah we prefer we'd all prefer there to be no murder
0: yeah no murder and no snails (laughs) all right final thoughts on deep water will Mavi we'll toss it over to you first
3: um you know i i have to admit i really did enjoy watching this movie and there are some things i really like about it i wouldn't say the movie as a whole is incompetent i don't think everything comes together well but uh i'm glad it was made um (laughs) you you know i i had a good time i think i'm gonna go with the six
0: wow okay all right lauren what about you
2: um I also had a fun time watching this. I I know it's not good. Like I can put my critical lens on and be like this isn't a good movie, but not all of them are supposed to be, you know, amazing movies and that's okay. It's just for entertainment value. But um if I have to suspend my disbelief, the one thing that I really couldn't suspend my disbelief is that like Jacob Elordi cannot play the piano like that. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Point There's Will's no eight. way he looks like that, wears what he wears, and plays and plays that well. Like, no, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't go with you on that one. But despite that, it's still really fun. And sometimes, yes. Is fast food good for you? No. But every once in a while, it tastes really good. So I'm also with Will and I'll be mm. a six.
1: Tom. This was funny because I I when I when I completed it, I thought, hmm. You know Adrian Lynn's been away for twenty years and he came back for this, but on the other hand, I'm kind of glad he came back. <laughs> and that that kind of that kind of movie just kind of brings me back years. and it's nice to know that he still has it in him. So there was a lot of it I really enjoyed. I mean, the the third act is a catastrophe. and uh, but so I have to I have to kind of balance it out so I'm coming down at a five. All right. And Dan? I
4: do not think it is the best version of itself. I think there are a few places where it gets too tangled in knots to fully do everything that it wants to do. But again, like the things that are good about it, I think are really, really good. And I mean, the one thing that's really sort of unforgivably bad about it to me is that green screen, which I'm willing to overlook from how great or how good everything else is. So, yeah, I'm at a
0: six. I watched this movie a second time before we hopped on here today. And believe me, after the first viewing, if you had asked me in that moment, Will, would you watch the second time? I would have told you absolutely not. I think I even complained that I would have to watch it a second time, probably for this. Yeah,
3: we talked about this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right.
4: It improved for me on a second viewing.
0: I don't understand how... (laughs) <laughs> well i think
4: it improved sure because after one time through i knew what their relationship was and the second time through then i could pick up on all the little you know bread comes throughout and say oh okay it's a little better structured and better scripted than i give it credit for the first time
0: uh all right well so a couple final notes here uh God damn fucking autocorrect. Everything about that sequence is hilarious. So good. Heaven. Even when he catches him at the gorge. Hi. Hi. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, just went for a ride. <laughs> like, it's so good. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, Alexa, play old McDonald. <laughs> I would lose my mind. So I actually did sympathize with melinda during that scene quite a bit oh when melinda's like yelling at vic in one particular scene she's got like toothpaste in her mouth oh that made me laugh
4: so much
2: and you know what i appreciate that because every time in in a movie when someone's brushing their teeth you know the toothpaste isn't there it's literally just them they're dry it's not wet and they're just it's just there for props like there's she's actually brushing her teeth i applaud that
0: Tracy Letts' character introduces himself as a writer who is currently writing a book about himself as a fiction noir writer uncovering <laughs> so a conspiracy in his town. Come on, sir.
4: So good. Uh, sir. I love how he sort of tosses off the – has has very fresh tone. Thanks,
0: yeah. <laughs> like, sir. That, that was definitely a Sam Levinson line. Oh, God. Um. I love that everyone is shocked at the party that Vic can dance when all he's doing is just spinning really fast.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> just going in circles. Yeah.
0: He also dips her. <laughs> he that does. He does. Yeah. Give credit where credits due.
3: Oh, oh! How about the incredibly
0: fake rain when, uh, when they're in the oh pool scene? Oh my god! Like, it oh could my not- god! I could not believe. Like, was that CGI?
3: <laughs> no, I think they just no, set up sprinklers. Machine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it it looked really, really bad, and I was like, what you couldn't just get a so like wh- I, I was very confused by why that scene looked so weird and yeah, that answers it, I suppose uh oh <laughs> when after killing uh Finn Whitrock's uh character Tony Eddie comes back to the house, he tells Melinda, I like him he actually has brains
3: mm-hmm.
0: after his brains were just freaking splattered all over the rocks <laughs> yeah, in the gorge.
3: So, bad.
0: <laughs> so good. Uh, Come on, Matt. Cave to peer pressure. I will admit that like the whole, you know, it's so bad. It's good aspect. It, it does make for a very entertaining watch in that regard. I would be curious to watch this with somebody. I don't think I'll ever watch it alone ever again, but I would like to watch it with a family member or friend, you know. I think that it's interesting in that regard because I do think it can be a fun and engaging watch, but like not in a good way. <laughs> so, I don't know, guys. Oh, fuck it. I'll 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 bump it up. I'll go with a 4 out of 10. <laughs> Screw it. I was originally a 3. Y'all convinced me.
2: (laughs) Look at us.
4: Embrace the trash,
2: man. I'll tell
0: you who's not going to embrace the trash. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. That's for sure.
2: Obviously Uh not. (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) This isn't going anywhere near
0: Oscar. No Oscar potential. Zero. Sorry, Adrian. No way. And I want to just say for the record, I love that Sam Levinson's like life goal in this industry is to just continue pissing people off. (laughs) It makes me
1: laugh. He's doing a great job.
4: Oh, the, the other thing that like randomly got me about this movie, Jacob Elordi is taller than Ben Affleck.
0: That's wild because I think Ben Affleck is really tall. Yeah,
4: he's like a giant.
0: Yeah, that is. Th- wow. OK, damn. <laughs> oh, and you know what? We got a slight little preview of Ananda de Armas uh, going to be playing Marilyn Monroe. No, oh,
2: Yeah, like also, that's what I was oh, thinking. She office. can really do. No, yeah. Anna Diarm is really good in like a femme fatale type of character. So I would like Mm -hmm. to see her do more of this. So yeah, very excited for blonde.
0: Yeah. I mean, she played the piano. She sang, she was sexy. You know? Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Mm -hmm. I can see it. I don't know if we're ready to see it, but I can see it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Mavity, where can they find you on the internet?
3: I was I was trying to remember what, how the song went that she sang at the piano. Can, can anyone sing that for me? I was going to try to close it out. I, that I think that. it was Italian. Chib-boom, chiboom,
4: boom. <laughs>
2: that's all. It's <that's laughs> the only thing I remember.
3: Uh, okay, yeah. You can
1: find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Lauren.
2: You guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren
0: Lemango.
1: Tom O'Brien. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And Dan
0: Baer. You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on film. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Deep Water here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to the podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. We appreciate your feedback and your support. But you can also lend on over at Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.